been looking for creative ways to, uh, you know, bridge the gap between two services and, um, and create a, a sense of oneness and family, which is why um, we're leading from down on the floor um, this morning is just to sh- show and share the oneness. Um, but we picked the summertime to do this because we figured most of y'all would be on vacation. And... Um, <laughs> Apparently not on July 9th because you're all here. And if you happen to have to park down the street, we apologize. We probably shouldn't do a car wash next time um, during this because we've cornered off this whole section. But it's good to see you all. And it's, I think um, despite the tightness, it's good to sense that we're all part of the same family. And um, I know I'm encouraged. Um, hope it doesn't get too warm. <laughs> that would be the one discouraging thing. But let's not think about that right now. Um, so I was thinking about what, what, what I want to talk about or what I want to teach on this morning in this one gathering. And, and the topic that I chose, um, you're probably going to think was, is completely random and like, what in the world were you thinking, Dan? Because I want to teach this morning on the topic of, of baptism. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this one time when we're all gathered, you're going to talk about baptism. It's like, of all the topics in the Christian faith that I can think of, that wouldn't even register in the top thousand so you're going to talk about baptism. Well, it's, it's because it doesn't register very much in um, many evangelical Christians' minds as a really important thing is precisely why I wanted to teach on it. Um, it ties to Exodus last week because we, we looked at the, the people of Israel passing through the Red Sea, which the Apostle Paul saw as a form of, of baptism. But it also is going to tie into the future. So I hope you'll give me, um, a, this is going to be a shorter message, just to let you know. Um, indulge me just a little bit because I think it will become clear why I chose the topic by the time we get to the end. Okay? So baptism. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know if you've been baptized. I meet more and more people who say that they haven't, um, which is another relevant reason as to why I wanted to teach on it. But for whatever reason, in some of the circles and churches that I have been a part of, there has been a, like a, a diminishing of the importance of this rite or ritual or sacrament that we call baptism. And I don't know exactly what the reason is. Perhaps it's a, a reaction to legalism um, that we're not saved by baptism and we're not. Um, so therefore, I, I don't have to do it. Uh, perhaps it's because um, we shy away from, in some of the evangelical t- circles, shy away from ritual um, because we associate ritual, ritual with something being empty or rote or routine. But, but rituals or rites or sacraments can be very, very rich if you understand what they mean and if you engage in it by faith. Um, so I, I, I want to I say this morning that baptism is, is hugely important regardless of whether you agree on all the points or not. I mean, Jesus said, I have the, like, the great commission right behind me. Jesus told his disciples his final message, right? This is his mission statement for them. He's like, go and make disciples. That's the central command. And then there's two ways you're going to do that. You're going to baptize. That was the first thing he said. And then you're going to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. So you have baptism and you have teaching. Like, it's significant enough for the church that Jesus commanded these two things in the process of discipling people, which kind of, no matter which way you slice, it kind of raises this idea of baptism pretty high. Now, when the, um, when the Lord left, he, he left the church, the New Testament church, two primary sacraments or 
ordinances, depending on how you define those terms. Um, the Lord's Supper, which we do um, at Parkway, we celebrate it every fourth or last Sunday of the month. And the other is baptism. Those two things. In addition to preaching the gospel, those are the two things the church is to do. They are a rite. They are a, a form of, of ritual of taking something physical and, and doing something with it. And, and this morning, this is the second of the, the sacraments or what Jesus has commanded to us that I just want to look at. And I want to look at it by, by answer, asking and answering two questions. One, what is the mode and meaning of baptism? That's the first question. And the second is what is the function of baptism in the church? And that kind of gets to the heart of it, that second question. The first one, what is the mode and meaning of baptism according to the New Testament? Now here I want to preempt what I'm about to say with a caveat. I know that in this room different traditions, different Christian traditions are are represented. We have people who grew up in a Methodist background, Lutheran background, Presbyterian background, or Catholic background. And as such, if you grew up in the church, you were probably baptized as an infant by way of sprinkling. And what I'm about to say, I in no way, shape, or form want to diminish how important your baptism as an infant, if that was you, was to you. I know for many, it is a very important memory. It is a very important, maybe not a memory, because you're probably not even remembering it. But it, you hold it dear because it was your parents who chose to baptize you, and for you, it's, it's, a, it's a dear thing. And if that's you, I, I'm, my aim is not to diminish the importance of it to you. Um, nor should our understanding of it, or if we disagree on the particulars, cause division. I have a number of close friends who are both Presbyterian, uh, Reformed, and also um, Lutheran, who don't agree, and I still have fellowship with them. So it's, this shouldn't be a deal breaker in terms of the particulars, but the essence of it, I think, is core and important. So with that said, it would seem that in terms of mode, that is how it was done in the New Testament, it was done by way of submersion, that is immersion, um, for a number of reasons, um, which I'm just going to say really quickly. One is the simple fact that the word baptize or baptismo in the, in the New Testament Greek, it actually means to submerge. It means to immerse. In ancient uh, secular literature, it's actually talked about sinking beneath the waves. So the word itself suggests that when a person, in terms of the practice of actually baptizing, and this is a person is submerged and then they come out again. That's one line of evidence. The second has to do with the fact that when John the Baptist was doing his baptism, and his was kind of like a proto-Christian baptism, um, he looked for a place in the Jordan where there was a lot of water. That's John 3.23. And the sense of it, of course, being that there was enough water to actually submerge people in. That's evidence number two. And the third one, and there's more, I'm just making this as brief as possible, is the meaning of it itself that I believe at the heart of baptism, what it conveys is death and resurrection. That is going into the grave and coming out of the grave, and you don't go halfway. So the meaning of it would suggest, the very significance of it would suggest immersion. Now, if you disagree with me on that point, that's fine. If you'd like to talk to me more about that point, I invite you to send me an email, and that is a legitimate honest invitation to just talk it through. I'm not going to bully you. I'm just going to get together with the Bible. That's the mode. Now, the meaning of it, I already, I already said what the meaning was in its essence. 
Like bat- baptism, I, I, as I understand it, at its heart, um, has to do with death and resurrection. It has to do with judgment and salvation. The purging of what is sinful and the, the bringing in of what is new and what is righteous. That, 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 that's the essence of it, is, is death and life. And that's not just in the New Testament, that's, that's throughout. It's this, you have these images and historical events throughout history that kind of show this truth. This, um, Noah's flood being the first. You know, God submerged the world in water as a way of putting an evil society to death. But in that same water, he delivered Noah and started a new beginning. You have death and life. You have judgment and salvation from the water. Um, We saw last week, Moses led the people through the Red Sea. They were underneath the water, but not getting wet. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 associates that or sees that as an analogy to Christian baptism. Um, If you think about it, um, that event of going through the water brought death to the Egyptians and life to the people of Israel. It was a form of judgment and at the same time a form of deliverance. Uh, It was a deliverance from the old way of slavery and to a new freedom and the hope of a promised land. So when Jesus comes in his life, and all of those things point to one very specific and definitive act. And here I will read, where Jesus says of his own death, he says, he says, are you, his, his um, disciples want to follow him, and he's speaking of the cross and his death, he says, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He understands what's happening. His baptism is a baptism in death. It's consistent, right, all the way through. That is the essence of the meaning of baptism. It's, and it gets it to the very heart of redemption, um, of death and of life. In particular, the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I answered question number one, the mode and meaning of baptism. Question number two, how does it function in a church like ours? How does it function personally? And this, can we get more to the personal side of things? Three words. This isn't all there is to say, but it's, um, it sums up a vast majority of it. Three words. Initiation, identification, and what we're doing here, family. Um, initiation. Baptism is an initiation rite, an initiation ritual. Um, it, it is a, a way of saying at the beginning of the Christian life, and that, by the way, is why I think Jesus put baptism before teaching, because baptism begins, it's a symbolic way of saying, I have now entered into a new journey of, with Christ. Um, so when one is baptized, um, one basically says, I have come to embrace and believe the historic event that Jesus died for my sin and rose for me. I, I believe that truth. Again, death, resurrection. It's a way of saying I believe that that is a fact. But more than that, by doing it yourself and going under the water and coming back up, what you're saying is that I have embraced it and his death becomes my death and his life becomes my life. 
judgment that was meant for me has been placed on him, and the life I didn't deserve was given me through and in him and his resurrection. It's a way of saying, I have, I have drank in, I have, I have appropriated, I have made his death and life mine. It's a way of saying, it's a, it's a demonstrative, physical way of saying, I am all in. It's a way of saying I'm all in. It starts the Christian journey, right? It's the initiation rite, which explains little stories like you have uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 where he's studying the scriptures he doesn't understand. And a person named Philip comes along who's a disciple of Jesus. He says, I don't understand what I'm reading. And Philip says, this is about Jesus and what he's done for you. And he believes. And the first thing they do is get baptized. He baptizes him. Again, this is my own. So it's, it's an initiation into covenant relationship with Jesus. It's a way of expressing this. In some ways, it's a little, little bit like, like marriage. A little bit. Marriage is a rite. It's a ritual, right? But it's important to us because, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it's the formal beginnings of marital covenant, Right? With, with vows and promises and witnesses and officiant. And it, it's like this anchor point in, in a young couple's life to say, this is where it began. We entered into covenant with each other, formalized by promises and vows. Well, baptism is like a way of saying, um, I have entered fully and completely into covenant with God through Jesus Christ. And it should be an anchor point. It's like that was just a demonstrative way of showing in obedience to Jesus that I am all in and I'm beginning this new new life. Well, that's, that's an initiation into the covenant. Two, identity. That is, it should function, and this is maybe where some of you are thinking, this doesn't apply to me because I have been baptized. Well, you know, I think we're supposed to look back to it. I do. And the reason I say that is because Paul seemed to do this. To remind people by way of their baptism in the past, who they are now. So he said, this is Romans 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, he's looking back, all of us, when we were baptized, I think he's talking about water baptism here, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He continues on, he says, um, verse 6, he says, We know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And he goes on to talk about now we're free. Like I said, baptism is a way of looking back. It's like, you know what? I'm not that old person anymore. I'm supposed to be walking in newness of life. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm a son. And that rite of baptism is a reminder of that. So that on a very practical level, if because we still obviously are fallen people, and we easily find ourselves tempted to go back to the old way of life. 
So if in your former way of life, this is if maybe if you weren't born in a Christian home where you kind of surrounded by Christianity all the time, um, there was an old person and you saw a decisive difference and you were a different person. Maybe you were a person who worshipped money and the way that it expressed itself is you were a workaholic. You didn't have time for God and didn't have time for your family and it almost wrecked your life. Then you came to Christ and he reordered your desires and you realized God needs to be number one. But then you find yourself possibly drifting back towards a money-oriented life. In which case you can be reminded by way of your baptism. Wait a second. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's he who lives in me. I'm not going back to that old person. Because I, I, I mean, again, baptism is a powerful symbol of I'm, I'm supposed to live in newness. There's a new God in my life. It reminds us of our identity, not only as a, in an initiation rite, but it reminds us of our identity as Christians, as followers of Jesus who are to live with a different moral compass. The last one is that it is a visible demonstration of the fact that we have been brought into, born into a brand new family, a church. So Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, he said, for in one spirit, we were baptized. Now, you could argue that this is the baptism of the spirit here, but I think it's impossible to completely separate water baptism from baptism in the spirit because one expresses the other. It's a physical expression. I should say, you know, the New Testament church, early church, they, they didn't understand a Christianity without baptism. It's like, that's what you did. Uh, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And he's just, in, the, in the context, he's arguing for we are all part of the same body. Now think about that. It's a visible way of saying, I'm your brother now. I'm your sister now. And the old things that used to define me by way of gender, by way of ethnicity or genetics, a Jew, Gentile, that's not ultimately what defines me anymore. Now I'm a part of the covenant community of Christ and a member of the household of God. So when someone actually goes through the rite of baptism or the sacrament of baptism, they're not only saying, I am now in covenant with God, um, and not only is this who I really am, a new creature in Christ, but also I'm part of your family. It helps to define the, the, the boundary markers of, like, who's in the body of Christ? This is a physical, visible way of saying I'm part of this family. Hopefully that's clear. That's not all there is to say about baptism. So, so what am I getting at here? This is the, the punchline, all right? If you agree with most of that, and if you don't agree with the particulars, I hope you can understand death and life, and it's an entry point into the covenant community of Christ, which I think you have to have faith to do which you can't do when you're super young or an infant. I shouldn't say super young. I, I came to faith when I was five, but I couldn't have come to faith when I was eight days old. Um, anyway, like I said, not going to be a divisive factor. So here's the punchline. If you haven't been baptized, why wouldn't you? It's commanded by Jesus, and it's rich in meaning. It's a way of saying, I'm, I'm all in. Um, I'm part of a family of Christ, and it helps me to say this is now who I am because of what Jesus did for me. Why wouldn't you? That's, this is a pretty direct application, isn't it? 
And I know there are some of you who want to. You just, for whatever reason, it was never a big deal, and that's okay. Um, and, if, and if you've been baptized, perhaps it's a, you know, it's a good point to just reevaluate. Like, am, am I really all in? When I got baptized in the past, I, I, that was a way of saying I'm all in. Are you still all in? Partially in? Wandering off? It's, it's a good reminder for us, a potent reminder. Am I all in? Baptism was a, a symbol of that. And here's the deal. If you, if you haven't been baptized and you want to be, well, the next one church we do, which is August 13th, we're going to have a big baptism. That's part of the, you know, I told you to tie together in the end. You know, what an amazing thing for us to gather next time. Some of you will probably be on vacation, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I don't really mean that. But what an amazing thing to see people saying, I'm all in. And to hear testimonies of this is my old life, this is my new life, and, and now I'm part of your family. I mean, it could be a deeply um, edifying thing for our church body just to see people in obedience to Jesus saying, listen, I'm, I'm all in. So, so next time. If you're at all interested or you want to talk about it more, um, or if you're already committed, I want to be there, I want to do it, a couple ways you can respond because we need to know. Um, right? You've got 3,000 people who want to get baptized. That's going to be a problem. That's not 3,000 people. But you can take that little card, another card, and just say, name, I want to talk about baptism. I want to be baptized. I want to tell the whole world I am all in and I have embraced what Jesus has done for me. Um, or you can email one of the staff. Our email is on the uh, website. You can just email saying, hey, listen, I, I, I want to be a part of this. And I'm, I'm just super excited about the possibilities, you know, um, of us hearing from each other in one family and celebrating new members coming into the faith. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord God, I thank you for your um, loving kindness. Thank you for giving us these physical um, rights of passage and entry and um, allowing us to be reminded of important truths through them. And I just ask that you would continue to bless this church, bless us with fresh faith, bless us with fresh repentance, uh, bless us with fresh love and fresh humility and fresh passion for the lost world that's out there, uh, fresh passion for following you and being all in um, as you work your grace through our lives. And I pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.